Well, we're in a little series of messages that we've called October Surprise, and it's kind of a fun thing because we don't really know what we're going to get every week. I don't even know where we're going. Uh, let's go John 3. I'm kidding. I know. Uh, I studied. I prepared John 3 because um, I don't want to waste your time. And uh, John chapter 3 is where we're going to be. The title of my message is A Part of the Process. As you come to Fresh Life, what you're going to figure out real quick is we are all about seeing people come into a relationship with Jesus. This is not a big, we don't put a big emphasis on religion here. We're not big into the like exteriors here. We don't want you snuggling the Ten Commandments at nighttime. Like, oh, they're so cold and uh, made me feel terrible about myself. <laughs> like, like, we're actually interested in, in you having a relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. And we believe when that happens, it changes everything. We, we, then when that happens, just watch out. When God, when God touches your heart, it just, it just begins to work its way out. And a lot of times the approach is the exact opposite. It's, it's external reformation that, that just leaves you with a heightened sense of frustration. And we believe when, when Jesus touches your heart, that works its way outside. And uh, he, he just gets a hold of you that way. It's like the best restaurant, in and out. He works in, then it works its way out, right? Not outside, then trying to get, get in. And uh, so... Um, but, but here's the thing about that. When we talk about like, someone have a relationship with God, and we oftentimes, we did this week, in our services have a time where we celebrate a story of transformation. We'll celebrate a story. It'll be like, I was, I was lonely, I was empty, I was hurting, and then God touched my heart. And, and, and almost like what, what happens is we end up seeing and celebrating uh, this powerful moment of someone entering a relationship with God. I, I was lost, but now I'm found. We're like, yes, why? Because well, it's on our mission statement. It's on our website. It's, it's, it's all over the place. We want to see people who are stranded in sin find life and liberty in Jesus Christ. Like, we are so unashamedly about that. Like, that's the thing for us. We're not going to argue about the T's and I's being crossed of theological things. And, oh, I think, I think when Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds, I think it's going to be exactly in this. Like, we, we, we have thoughts on that. We, we do Bible studies on stuff like that. But at the end of the day, our biggest emphasis is People coming to life in Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. That's what we're after. You want to see, what do you see in this world? I see a world where people know Jesus, and that's changing everything, okay? So, so, but I think that can tragically give us sometimes an unrealistic expectation of what it looks like. Because we so celebrate stories like that, where you see that transformation, you know, kind of Damascus Road-style stories, like, like Paul, who, you know, he was hating Jesus, he was persecuting Christians, and boom, one day, light shined from heaven, and, and scales fall from his eyes, and he gets up and he's like, I want to preach the gospel. And you're like, that's a great story. I want to see that little YouTube, you know, highlight reel of, of this transformation. But I think what, what that can do are, 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 with a good intention, praising these awesome stories of people entering a relationship with God, that can make us forget there's a whole lot of backstory to that. There's often a whole lot of backstory. And kind of the big idea for this talk this week in a message that I'm calling a part of the process, a part of the process, is that people encountering God is more incremental than it is instantaneous. It's more incremental than it is instantaneous. What I'm trying to say is it's a process. It's a journey. It is, it is not just like before, after, because even when you do see a story like that before, after, like Paul, there is a whole lot of backstory that, that you might not realize went into it. God is trying to reach people. God, with his never-ending, overwhelming, overwhelming, reckless love, he's pursuing people. The Bible says that God has sent the Holy Spirit into the world to pursue people, to work on people, to work on people's hearts. And, and here's the greatest honor ever. 
we have been given the chance to be a part of the process. Everyone you know, everyone you interact with, everyone in your world, God's working on their hearts. God's working. They're on a journey of, of, of coming to know God. The Bible says that we, people are, without even understanding it, they're, they're groping after God, lurking for God, sometimes in all the wrong places. But God is not far from any one of us, and he's put that emptiness in us. He's allowed that emptiness to be there so that we would find, not it, not it, not it, so we would keep looking for God. That's why no one has ever been completely satisfied by drugs. I did drugs one time. I'm totally satisfied. No, they're looking for more. There's an emptiness to it, right? No one's ever gotten a big payday and go, you know what? I don't want any more money ever. No, there's, there's, there's an end. I'm looking for more. I spent that. Now I need more. And the, the target just moves, right? And, and so no one ever gets to the end of a bottle and goes, that's it. I'm completely satisfied. No, the, the, the reward is looking for more. And so it is with sex. And so it is with power. So it is with connection. You get famous. Well, someone's more famous than you. And now you're aging. Dang it, right? And it's, Hollywood's a tough place to age. I hear, and there's always a younger, always a fresher, always a newer, always a riskier, always a bolder. And, and so there's just this emptiness. But God granted that emptiness as a gift so that we wouldn't be satisfied with a lesser thing, but would keep looking for him. So it's a process. It's a journey. We're all on a quest, and we have been ever since we were ever born. And we want to drill down a little bit on what it means for us to be a part of that process. All right? And, and there's nowhere better we could look than Jesus how he interacted with people. Because there was this period, 33 years, where he was on this earth. And, and in that time, he would interact with people and be a part of their process. And uh, we want to learn from how he handled one such interaction. There's so many we could have picked, but I picked the one in John 3. And uh, here's what it says. In verse 1, if you don't have a Bible, no worries. We always put the verses up on the screen for you. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said. That's a way of honor to speak to, to a leader. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God has sent you, that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Cutting through the religious rhetoric, Jesus got to the heart of the matter here with this guy. Verse 4, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb, everyone say gross, and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born both of water. That's how we get born out of our mothers. We're surrounded in water. But then he said, and the spirit. So it's a second birth. It's a second thing. It's, this is what we're talking about, that transformation, that powerful moment when someone goes from darkness to life. That's, that's what we're praising. But, but notice, it's, this, this man's in process of understanding these things. Verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It's a mystery, right? And that confused Nicodemus. Verse 9, how are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, proving he could be a little cheeky. You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Talking tough, tiger, right? Now just pause right there for a second. Who is Nicodemus? 
Well, Nicodemus is a man who, who hadn't made. He was connected religiously. The Bible calls him a Pharisee. This was an elite group of, like, basically Navy SEALs-like pastors, right, who praised themselves on how rigorously they kept the commandments, how they never violated them in the slightest bit. They literally wore clothes that would tell everybody how holy they were. These guys were too righteous for their shirt, you know what I mean? They just went around like, I am so holy, and I know it, right? And, and, and yet he was not just connected religiously, he was connected politically. He was a part of the Sanhedrin, this ruling class in Israel in the time. He was also uh, super wealthy. He was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was in the who's who society. He was a member at Soho House. Like he, just this guy, he was plugged in. He was known. People understood him. He was, he was, he was wise, old, and, uh, and, and in every way you could possibly imagine, he was successful, yet... What is he doing here at this evening, talking to uh, this, 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 this outcast uh, pastor, Jesus, who was the born of a, of a woman? Who, there was so much controversy about him, and, and he didn't, some people didn't even think he knew how to read, and, and yet he had, he had come to him. Something had him coming to Jesus, and that's because he was unsatisfied by the things that he had in this world. He was looking for something more. He was looking for something, and he had a hunch that maybe just maybe that could be found in the teachings of this man and the life of this man and the power of this man, Jesus, who many believed to be the Christ. And so he came to speak to Jesus, and Jesus in this moment engages him and talks to him. And and, and then in verse 14, notice he continues, Jesus does, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, some people who are new are like, this is getting weird. There's a bronze snake on a pole. We're going to explain that in just a second. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. Verse 15, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, here's one of those really famous verses in the Bible. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Don't, don't miss this next part. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world. Now, you wouldn't know that from a lot of people's Facebook pages who call themselves followers of Jesus, who just want to yell at how dark the world is and tell people how sinful they are. But God apparently did not send Jesus in order to judge the world, but in fact, to save the world through him. Who's thankful for a God who does not focus on the condemnation, but on the salvation of people that he loves so much that he was willing to die for? Now, 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 I don't know if you even saw it there, but, but we are in the midst of one stage in Nicodemus's journey. But what are we learning? We're learning that relationships with God, these things are oftentimes incremental more so than they are instantaneous. And even when they appear to be instantaneous, there's actually more backstory than meets the eye. You know what happens when you think something is going to be instantaneous and it actually turns out to be incremental? Frustration. I'll never forget driver's ed. I was, um, I was so excited about turning 16 because when I turned 16, I had been tracking it since I was nine. Now I see my daughter doing this. She's 12. She's like, Dad, I'm almost 16. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. You know, I refused. La, 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 la. I refused to hear it. But I was so excited to turn 16. I'm going to get the car of freedom, emancipation. Amazing, right? And in New Mexico, the law is you can drive when you're 15. I told my parents about it. They said, not in our house. 16 is what we're doing. I'm like, dang it. So all my friends are driving. But finally, I'm 16. And they made me pay for my own driver's ed. They figured it would mean more to me if I paid for it. So I saved up the money. My school didn't offer it, in case you're wondering. Uh, I save up the money. I'm, I go to driver's ed. I'm sitting there. It's TLC, School of Driving, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm sitting there. 
And the, the teacher comes in so hungover and, and proceeds to bump cigarettes off kids in the class. This teacher did not intend on teaching us nothing about no driving. I'm just telling you. And I was so, so frustrated because I was so excited to learn about driving. And I, I, I got to sign up for my driving time. Okay, finally. I'm going to get into a car with another human being whose only goal in life is to teach me how to drive this car. And so I get into the car with them. It's 8 o'clock on a Saturday. And I'm like, I'm finally going to drive. This is so exciting. And the teacher gets in. And she tells me to turn over here and to turn right there. And I'm like, 10 and 2, baby, 10 and 2. I, just, I got this. I got, I'm Lightning McQueen, right? Kachuga, Kachuga. And I'm going. And she says, turn right over here. And she tr- directs me to a Burger King parking lot. I'm like, what's this? I've only been driving for five minutes. She goes, I am hungry. She gets out of the car and leaves me. She's gone for 30 minutes. And I'm just sitting there, not driving, right? I, I got 12 minutes of driving in. So the point of the story is I got done with driver's ed, not knowing how to drive, guys, right? And, and there was like a f- five-month period, honest to God, where every time I would get to a left turn, on a street where there wasn't a stop sign or a signal, I would freeze. I just wouldn't know what to do. I'm like, oh, the cars are still coming. Oh, the cars are still coming. Oh, the cars are still coming. And I would just, just when I'm about to go, I, I would get so scared because I didn't really know how to do this. And, and cars behind me are honking now. And I'm sweating and I'm stressed. You know what I would do? I would change my blinker to the right and I would turn right. And then I would turn left. And then I would turn left. And then I would turn left. And then I would turn right every time I needed to merge onto a left road. For... <laughs> Turns out for me, that learning to drive wasn't as simple as turning 16. It wasn't instantaneous. It was incremental. But if you think that's bad, my wife's 35 and still can't drive standard. She's on a journey, guys. Don't judge her. So <laughs> you're like, why don't you teach her? That would be so bad for our marriage and my clutch, okay? So here's the thing. You could teach her. So, so <laughs> here in the story, we just see one little piece of Nicodemus's journey. But the way that Jesus handles him here, he doesn't expect his relationship with God to be instantaneous. He, in fact, gives him the luxury of being on an incremental process. And I want to drill down on just that right there, Jesus and Nicodemus for a little bit. But instead of me telling you about it, I wanted to invite some leaders from all across our church. So at every single Fresh Life worship experience, would you welcome to the stage a different communicator who's going to teach us about this? Thank you so much, Pastor Levi, and hello, everyone. (laughs) My name is Allie Gwynn, and I get the honor and the privilege of talking with you all this morning. Um, In case you didn't know, I have two roles here at Fresh Life, one of them being that I work here in the administrative staff, and the second one is that I get to be the wife of our Kalispell campus pastor, Chris Gwynn. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Before I get started, I just want to say thank you so much, Pastor Levi, for this incredible opportunity, and thank you so much for the time and energy and effort that you and Jenny pour into us as a church on a weekly basis. I am so thankful for you both. Come on, who else is thankful for Pastor Levi and Jenny? Okay. Well, without further ado, I want to jump right into that text that Pastor Levi read. And there are five things from this text that I want to pull out. Five remarkable things about Jesus' part in Nicodemus' process. The first remarkable thing is that he earned the right to be heard. Jesus earned the right to be heard. Let's look at that text again. It says, There was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews, Late one night, he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, 
God-revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. I think it is so clear to see that Nicodemus was impressed with Jesus' life before he ever had a conversation with him. And that's because Jesus lived a life that opened up doors. Um, There is something, this is something that we all need to emulate. We need to really work hard at earning the right to be heard from those around us. And I don't know about you guys, but I just love the messages from Pastor Levi where he talks about how we need to live these extraordinary lives or by being exemplary in our workplaces, we slip through the cracks and earn the right to be heard by those around us. And Jesus did just that. He, um, I, he, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, he earned the right to be heard and in the life has to come before the light. Okay, the second thing that we learn from Jesus is that he was willing to be inconvenienced. He was willing to be inconvenienced. It was late one night, it says in the text, late one night he visited Jesus. So in the middle of the night, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus does not dismiss him, but rather he welcomes him in. And Jesus was a busy guy. You know, he had three years of ministry to prove to everybody that he's the son of God. And instead of seeing this as a disturbance, he saw this as an opportunity. I think that too often we all get too busy to take time for others, too busy to encourage a person or seek someone out. But I want you to know that some of the most powerful moments come at the most inopportune times. You know, maybe it's a moment at the grocery store. How many of us actually engage the grocery store clerk? Or maybe we're running late for work and we're grabbing a coffee or we're on vacation. It's these times, they're not convenient, but these are the times we need to look out for and be ready for. And honestly, I'm not always the best at doing this, um, but there are some moments where I have been able to be inconvenienced for the benefit of others. And one of them, um, my husband and I were driving home from Kalispell one night to Whitefish. It was probably around midnight. Uh, you could say it was late one night. And um, we, as we're going north, we passed this bus stop and saw these three cute young girls hitchhiking. And as we zoomed on by, I just felt God tug on my heart telling me, Allie, go pick up those girls. Turn around. So we did. We turned around. And once they got into the car, we learned that they were here on vacation. They were here from China and they were staying in West Glacier. Many of you know, West Glacier is not very near Whitefish. And I, even though all I wanted to do was to go home, go to bed, I just saw this as a divinely appointed opportunity that I would not get back. Now, I wish I could tell you guys that the next 45 minutes we preached the gospel and they came to Christ and now they are missionaries in China and revival is breaking out, (laughs) but I can't. What I can tell you is that those 45 minutes, we got to love these girls. We got to hear about their lives. We got to tell them about ours, told them about fresh life. We got to give them our phone numbers in case they found themselves hitchhiking at midnight again. And um, I don't know what will happen with those seeds that we planted, but what I do know is that those seeds would have never been planted if we were not willing to be inconvenienced. And it's this heart and this mindset that we all need to strive for every single day. We need to be inconvenienced just as Jesus was. 
And this brings me to my third thing that I pulled out from this interaction. And that's that Jesus listened and he asked questions. He listened when it was needed and asked questions when it was necessary. All throughout this interaction and all throughout that text, we can see um, Jesus meeting Nicodemus right where he was at. Nicodemus asked question after question after question, and Jesus did not cut him off, but he listened, answered his questions appropriately, and then expounded on what Nicodemus wanted to know about. And I believe this led Nicodemus to not just want to understand more, but it showed him that Jesus actually cared about him. And that's because Jesus knew that people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think... All of us can easily point to examples of good listening and of bad listening in our lives, right? Like bad listening is you're talking and someone is literally on their phone while you're talking. Or maybe they're looking at everybody else in the room except for you. Or, you know, they're, you're talking and, and they're asking these questions that are coming out of nowhere, like out of left field. Or even better yet, maybe as you're talking, you can literally see on the person's face that they are are formulating a response as you're talking. Um, and these people might be kind, well-intentioned people, but you just don't leave feeling loved or cared for. And it's the good listeners, the people who sit down with you are, in, are engaged, looking you into the eyes, you know, their questions are, are looking for the meaning behind what you're saying. These are the people that are willing to laugh with you. They're not offended by anything you say, and they're not shocked by anything that you can say. And it's these people that we leave feeling so loved and so cared for. And that is what Jesus did for Nicodemus. And I want to encourage all of you guys to be great friends and great listeners, because I believe that as we do this, we will be drawing people into Jesus because that is who he was and what he did. Okay. Now the fourth thing we see in this interaction with Nicodemus is that Jesus pointed to the cross. He pointed to the cross, but let's take notice that he did not do this until there was an established relationship first. He didn't just open up the conversation with it. He waited until Nicodemus knew how much he cared. And it was only then that Jesus communicated the gospel clearly and lovingly. It was tactful and not tacky. I just love that Jesus did not just let this be a great inconvenient conversation but that picture this with me guys he's sitting there across the table from Nicodemus looking him in the eyes and his heart was just broken for him and it was out of that compassion out of that brokenheartedness that Jesus felt this urgency and this drive to need to tell him what was coming and he does so in John 3:14 it says In the same way Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and believe, it's necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. For those of you that do not know that reference, don't worry about it. I had to ask about it too. Um, It's a passage from the Old Testament where um, the people of Israel turn their backs on God, typical, and, you know, all of a sudden there was these 
poisonous snakes that came and were biting the people of Israel. And as they were dying of the poison, they recognized their inability to save themselves. So they cried out to God to save them. And God being loving and the merciful God that he is, he told Moses, Moses, raise up this bronze serpent on a rod so that anyone who has the faith to look up at that serpent might be healed. And I just love Jesus uses this example to point to Nicodemus about what's coming. He's saying, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so my body will be lifted up on the cross that anyone who will look at me and have the faith to believe, they will be saved and they will be healed. So I just want to remind us all to be pointing people to the cross, but only doing so after we have an established relationship first. Okay, so the last final point that I had from this interaction was that Jesus trusted the seeds to do their work. He trusted the seeds to do their work. Jesus was urgent, but did not rush Nicodemus to make a decision. He let the light do its work on its own time. Jesus knew, just as we need to, that the seeds that he planted would sprout up at the perfect time. We actually get to see a glimpse of these seeds starting to sprout in John 7. It says, Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus earlier and was both a ruler and a Pharisee, spoke up. He says, does our law decide about a man's guilt without first listening to him and finding out what he's doing? Now, I don't know if you guys caught that, but this was said in the middle of an argument the Pharisees were having about Jesus. And Nicodemus stood up and kind of defended Jesus amongst all these people who hated him. It's just such a beautiful picture of that seed just beginning to sprout. And I want you to know that um, Jesus wasn't even there anymore. He wasn't even around. And Nicodemus did this. But because the power of that interaction that they had lingered long in Nicodemus's heart and mind, way after that conversation had ended. And I believe that some of you here today have planted many seeds. I believe many of you actually have planted many seeds in people's lives. And I just want to say I know that it's hard you know, it's hard. we pray over those seats. We pray incessantly over those seats. We lose sleep over those seats. But I want you to know that you can trust God and that God is faithful with those seats. God uses our faithfulness to work in people's lives. And we get this incredible opportunity to plant seeds and water seeds, but only God is responsible for the growth that happens with those seeds. And I just think that as we are planting seeds, watering seeds, God's word is going to flow in us and through us. And this is what Isaiah 55 has to say about God's word. It says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper for the thing for which I sent it. I want to encourage you all to just let God's word flow in you and through you. That as we are planting seeds in people's lives, we are letting that flow through us. And I think that this will help us as we are trying to play a part in people's process. Amen? Amen. Amen. Back to you, Pastor Levi. Come on, let's hear it for every single one of our leaders across the church. Great chance for 16 different people to preach. 
on a single week in our church. That's pretty good, huh? Hey, uh, so uh, what we're seeing is just that's one stage. That's the stage where uh, Jesus had this conversation with Nicodemus, and we learned so much about it. He didn't rush him for a commitment. It wasn't like a, a hard essential oil sale, you know? <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was not like, it, you know, always be closing. Yeah, Jesus was just giving Nicodemus the chance to be on a journey, and he was with him in that way. And I think that we would do well to be in people's lives. Uh, they're not a notch on our belt. They're not a scalp to be collected. Uh, the people in this world that God allows us to be around, he's working in their lives. And as, as that goes, as it ebbs and it flows, we just got to be with them and love them for them and love them for who they are and believe that God has something for us to just kind of advance his work of showing love to them. And maybe the, the best way to, to show this uh, mentality in its robustness would be to show you that Nicodemus's journey wasn't completed really until after Jesus was dead. Uh, matter of fact, in, in John 19, the third time Nicodemus's name shows up in the Bible pops up. It's, it's, we've, we've, we've seen two out of the three. In John 3, it's just a conversation. And I love that. I love that it was Nicodemus wanted the conversation. Jesus didn't come to his house and be like, hey, I need to tell you about God, Turner, burn, sinner, you're going to hell. Like, Nicodemus asked for the meeting. Isn't that key? Yeah. That Jesus' life was so strong, Nicodemus was craving some time with him. What the heck, bro? And that explains why perhaps Jesus was so aggressive a little bit, like, hey, unless you believe, you can't be born again. Unless you're born again, you can't go to heaven. But Nicodemus wanted the meeting, remember? So that's, that explains Jesus' tack a little bit, but... Then Jesus is like, all right, peace out, bro. See you. Have a good one. And, and Nicodemus is just churning, churning, churning. And then later on, some of his friends are like, Jesus is the worst. Jesus sucks. Let's get him. And Nicodemus, he's timid, for sure timid. He's, not, he's by no means saying, I'm a follower of Christ. But he's just kind of like, hey, does our law condemn a man before he's been, you know, he, it, it, he was actually quoting a maxim of the day. I guess you could say, someone put it this way, Nicodemus' heart wanted to follow Christ, but in head, his head he was still scared. On a journey process incremental not instantaneous time goes on jesus is killed guess what he gets lifted up on the cross just like moses put a bronze serpent on top of his rod jesus had said if i get lifted up on this cross i'm going to draw all people to myself and the moment jesus dies nicodemus was in jerusalem nicodemus probably went and visited christ and saw him hanging on the cross and something in him just broke all of what Jesus said. It was coming back to him like the most epic Hollywood montage flashback scene. Just right, 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 right. I mean, it was just like it, it, everything changed in a moment of time. It was a full-on Damascus Road encounter where light shined and, uh, and, and scales fell from Nicodemus's eyes. But you know what? There was a whole backstory that went into that. In fact, the, the Bible puts it this way. Joseph of Arimathea was the one who begged Pilate to bury Jesus' body in his own personal grave. You know that, right? Jesus, his body, what would have happened to Jesus' body if Joseph hadn't stepped up? It would have been burned on a trash heap because he was a convicted criminal. And in the Roman Empire, they were not given the dignity of a proper burial. So he just would have been tossed out. But Joseph, a follower of Christ, said, I want him to be buried in my grave. And the, here's, look, look, just as he went to bury, look what it says, John 19. With him came Nicodemus the man who had come to Jesus 
at night. Nicodemus's name never shows up in scripture without des- that designator, the man who came to Jesus at night. That's just his nickname, right? Old Nick's nickname, who had come to Jesus at night. He, but Nick at night, get it? Remember, those of you who are old get that reference, right? I love Lucy. He, he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. And, and, and the text goes on, but basically Nicodemus funded the funeral. Joseph of Arimathea supplied the grave. Nicodemus paid for all the myrrh and spices, 75 pounds. He, he, he came loaded for bear, right? That's going to do the trick. And, and he, he lavishly, vocally, publicly, fearlessly, courageously went with Joseph to collect the body from the cross. And all the Pharisees are going to see it. What's this? The, the leading ruler of the Sanhedrin, the teacher of Israel, lavishing praise and worship by helping take care of Jesus's funeral expenses, a funeral that the Pharisees protested. They wanted Jesus's body rotting on the trash heap. And, and so what has he done? He has crossed the line. This man has done gone all in. He has pushed everything to the middle of the table, all of his chips. And he is saying, I am of the party of Jesus Christ. He had decided to follow Jesus, though none go with him. Still, he would follow. No turning back. No turning back. He was saying, I believe he is God's son. He's saying, I, he's changed my life. He's saying, I can't deny what he's done. I can't deny what he said. I didn't find what I was looking for in money. I didn't find what I was looking for in influence. I didn't find what I was looking for anywhere, but I found it in Christ. And I love so much that Jesus gave him the space to be on a journey. And Nicodemus didn't come to know God until Jesus had already died. And so can we love the world like that? Can we love them if they don't change? Can we love them if they don't come around? Can we love them if they hate God? Can we love them if they're blasphemers? Can we believe that the seeds that are planted, they could still bear fruit even if it happens after we are gone? Come on, let's show that reckless love of God. Let's never lose that aggressive, gritty spirit. Let's be unshockable. Let's be unfazable. Let's be unchangeable in our desire to love this world. What an incredible message, and thank you so much for joining us in this teaching from Fresh Life Church. If while you were watching this message, you felt led to make a decision to follow Christ, congratulations. We would love to send you a 21-day devotional through the book of John that Pastor Levi wrote. To receive that, text the word Fresh Life to 99000. You can also register your decision by clicking the No God button on our site. We would love to connect with you. If you've been impacted through what God is doing through Fresh Life Church, we would love to hear from you. Click the Share Your Story tab on our site or email us at story at freshlife.church and share how God is using this work to impact your life. These stories are incredibly encouraging to both our staff and our church family. Finally, if you'd like to partner with us financially and support the things that God is doing in and through this house, you can text the word FRESH to 45777. You can click the Give button at freshlife.church or you can give via the Fresh Life app. Thank you so much for watching.